0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's
1: B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Today on Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams, Episode 2, we're talking Penn State and not football. Why the Nittany Lions could be a real dark horse on the big dance floor. Plus, which bubble teams have the biggest week ahead for them. There are plenty of impact games to watch. And Kim, we'll talk about some history as well.
0: Yeah, John, we've got some major milestones that have occurred. We're going to show some love to the queen of women's basketball, Sabrina Yanescu. We also had a 51-point performance and a triple-double in the same week out of the women's Sun Belt Conference. So lots to get to. We've got quite the story from Fanta who was all over the country per usual, him and our buddy Jeff Goodman. They did they push their car to the gas station or did they make oh. it? Stay tuned for that and much more. Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Full Court Press has the
1: latest news and opinions from men's and women's college basketball. Our hosts are John Fanta, who calls games all around the country for Fox Sports
0: and others, and Kim Adams, an analyst for Fox and ESPN, and
1: a former D1 baller who never saw a three-point opportunity she didn't like. If you don't believe me, check her Twitter page. Take it away, guys. Welcome to Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams, everybody. We are right in the thick of things. Less than four weeks away from Selection Sunday and plenty to get to. As we hit the stretch run, we're going to be talking about a couple of teams who are certainly starting to play their best basketball, if they haven't already. At the perfect time of year, Kim, it's a marathon. It's a marathon, but what we're seeing here in the Big Ten and the Big East, particularly two leagues with a lot of depth, are some teams that have emerged and actually surprised a little bit. Absolutely.
0: I mean, this is the time of year when you want to be playing your best, when you want to be your healthiest, when you want to be at your deepest. And right now we have two teams that have been making some pretty big jumps. Looking at the polls that came out this week, we'll go Big Ten first, the Penn State Nittany Lions are currently the second-best team in the Big Ten, John. They jumped from number 13 in the AP poll last week to number 9. That is That ties their highest ranking in program history. You'd have to go back to the 1995-1996 season to the last time they were ranked in the top 10.
1: This is a crucial year for Pat Chambers because the expectations were high in Happy Valley and by high, we mean to get into the NCAA tournament comfortably and potentially make a run. You knew about Lamar Stevens coming back, and he's one of the best big men you're going to find across the country. Nearly 18 points per game, nearly 7 rebounds per game. But what has happened here with Penn State is they've had a strong supporting cast support. Myron Jones, who's actually missed the last three games, he's been that Robin roll for them. Mike Watkins... Ten points per game, and then you got two others at over eight points a game. That's what I'm looking for, Kim, in a team that can make a run in March. A team that's got balance because scoring is down in college basketball this year. But what has impressed more than anything is that Penn State's the one team with an over 500 Big Ten record on the road. Five and three away from home. That includes a win at Michigan at Michigan State, recently at Purdue, which is a very difficult place to win. I don't care how good or where the Boilermakers are. That's a very difficult place to win. It's all on the table for the Penn State Nittany Lions. The fact that they're doing this in a Big Ten that's got 10, maybe 11 teams going dancing, there's a lot to be excited about. This team, to me, has the complete package. I just think it goes back to because it's Penn State, and because they haven't been on the map recently in college basketball it's hard to gain that respect. What will be interesting to see is how they handle the target on their backs in the tournament.
0: Yeah. Well, I think they have a big week ahead. I think they have two very winnable games. They are home versus Illinois who's 8 and 6 in the Big 10, home versus them Tuesday, and then they're at Indiana, a team 6 and 8 looking to surge a little bit late here but In my opinion, those are two very winnable games for Penn State. And then you're looking at a 12-4 and record in the Big Ten. But, John, my, my only question mark's for them. When you go into some of their numbers, they're having success in the Big Ten. But when you get into the big dance, where hopefully they will be back for the first time since 2011, I'm looking at their numbers on the other side of the ball, defensively giving up about 72 points per game in Big Ten play, that's ninth out of 14 teams. And then rebounding has also been a problem. They have a a negative rebounding margin, negative 3.1, which is 11th in the Big Ten. So those are two pretty crucial areas that you want to have sharpened up as you're getting into the big dance. So Yes, they're having tremendous success in the Big Ten right now, as we'll get into a little bit more. All these teams are beating up on each other. But my question is, when they get to the Big Dance, they're not going to have players with experience in those type of games. And then you've struggled defensively and on the boards at times. So that those are my only question marks with them moving forward.
1: Well, and that's all dependent on the matchups. But I like a team that can score this year more than maybe others because we've seen the three-point line get moved back and we've just seen scoring go down in general in college basketball. Penn State sure does know how to score. The question here is, Kim, how many national championship contenders are there in the Big Ten?
0: To be honest, John, I don't know if there is one. I don't know if there is a Final Four team coming out of this loaded Big Ten. You have Maryland at the top right now. They had an impressive road win over Michigan State over the weekend. But are they a top four team in the nation? I'm just not sure. You have the Big 12, which looks like they have two Final Four contenders right now in Baylor and Kansas. Uh, But with how deep this Big Ten conference is, I don't know if they have a Final Four team. John, what do you think?
1: I don't see it. That said, it's crazy to say this, but it really isn't that crazy. Tom Izzo in March, it's hard to bet against him. And somebody's going to get stuck facing Michigan State as a good seed. There's going to be a a well-seeded team. Right now, Michigan State's projected on the 6 or 7 line in brackets I'm seeing today. And like I saw Seton Hall as a 3 seed facing Michigan State uh, in one projection that's that's a challenge. That is a real challenge for whoever that three or four is going to be. And Kim, to your point, you just talked about it with Penn State. We've got some teams that haven't always been in the seed position in the past. Well, Michigan State went all the way to the Final Four last year. So I'm not going to sit here and, and and write them off just yet. I think that they've really had a tough swoon as of late. I don't think there's a Final Four team in the Big Ten either because I just don't trust Maryland enough. But in a year of college basketball where we've got so much parity, I think let's still wait and see here what happens down the stretch. Well, Penn State is a perfect segue to another team in another league that has really impressed, the Big East. A team that has emerged and surprised in some ways. They were picked seventh in the preseason poll, but all of a sudden they've won seven of eight. They own five Quadrant One road wins That's second in the country. It's the Creighton Blue Jays. Kim Adams... Greg McDermott's team has an edge to them. We know that they could score the basketball. They've always been able to do that. What are you seeing that's different about this Creighton team that could lead them to a run in March? Well, there's a lot of positive things
0: happening in Omaha, Nebraska right now, John. A place that we know very well from going there plenty of times in the last few years. But let's, let's talk numbers first. So right now, Creighton made the biggest jump in the polls this week. They went from 23 all the way up to 15 after winning on the road at Seton Hall. Let's talk the scoring numbers because we've seen at times, we talked about on our first episode last week, scoring has not been easy for a lot of teams this season. We've seen big-time games in the 50s, in the 60s, and for Creighton, scoring has not been a problem. They've won seven of eight. They've won three games in a row. In those three games, 91 points per game you're You're just not hearing numbers like that this season, John teams aren't scoring the ball at that high of a rate and they could really shoot the ball from three in two of those three wins, 13 made threes, 13 in each of those two games. So this is a team that has maybe one of the most talented perimeters shooting wise, maybe the top in all of the country. I will say I have seen them struggle at times at the point position. I don't think they have a true point guard like they had a couple years ago in Maurice Watson Jr. I was at the game at Villanova, which they pulled out, but at times they really struggled against the full court press. But once they bring the ball up and they are in their sets, this team can shoot it as well as any team in the nation. And I think the X factor for them is a sophomore center named Christian Bishop, who's listed at 6'7". To me, when I watch him, he looks about 6'11". So I don't know. I may request a remeasure. He plays like it. <laughs> I may request a re-measure on that one. But when you have a team that could shoot the ball like they could and space the floor, he now has the world in front of him to work with. And if you've seen him play, he has a guard skill set. He can take you off the dribble. He's got spin moves inside. We've seen him throw down some thunderous dunks lately. So... He, in in addition to all the incredible guard play they have, that is a big X factor for me, and I think this is a really tough matchup for the rest of Big East play, for the Big East tournament, and for the big dance, where it looks like they are really starting to solidify a bid in March. So this this Jays team is very impressive to me right now, John.
1: Well, not just a bid, a good seed. Right now in bracketologies, Creighton's up to the four line. Uh, from some hanging around the four or the five line. People did not see that coming. They thought, okay, maybe an eight or nine seed. Here's the thing. They have a great home court advantage. They're 14 and one in Omaha. It's a very difficult place to play, but they've grown up this year. Tyshawn Alexander has taken on this defensive leader role for Creighton. He is a stopper. And what he did against Miles Powell last week at the Prudential Center. Think about this, Kim Seton Hall, which has had such a good year, had a tough week losing two games. Seton Hall still scored 82 points against Creighton, despite Miles Powell being held to just two field goals. And I would say it's as good of an individual defensive performance as I've seen by a player this season, what Alexander did to make Powell work for everything he got. This Creighton team is mature. They have grown up this season and taken on, when they need to get a stop, they go ahead and get it. They've got a couple of matchup nightmares. Damian Jefferson and Denzel Mahoney, they both play this stretch forward role. And when you've got Zagorowski, Mitch Ballock, and Tyshawn Alexander out on the perimeter, and then you have a stretch four, and Bishop, who really fits well into a four-out, one-in, five-out system, great job by Greg McDermott here with this Creighton team. I would vote him Big East Coach of the Year right now because his team was picked seventh. They lost Jacob Epperson for the season. You're thinking, okay. At some point, you got to have some front court play, or at least you got to have some depth. Well, they've just found this unique way to play, and it is working to perfection. We've always known they could score, but I really like what I'm seeing for Tyshawn Alexander. He's a sleeper candidate because he hasn't gotten a lot of talk for Big East Defensive Player of the Year. And how about the Big East race? While we're at it, Seton Hall ten and three, Creighton nine and four, Villanova eight and four, and then a bit of a jumble, but. This is going to be quite the home stretch in this league.
0: Yeah, I mean, for a while, it it really looked like Seton Hall was going to run away with it. They just had one loss in conference play there for a while. It seems like they have all of the pieces. It was interesting. I was seeing some comments from head coach Kevin Willard after the loss to Creighton, and it it seems like, you know, they're having a little bit of a struggle now with leadership and staying positive so I mean this is a team that looked like they had all the tools to get to the final four in my opinion you have an incredible coach you have maybe the nation's best player in Miles Powell you have size you have great defenders individually and now they've they've hit a couple rough patches and and this is the time where you have to get it together quick because at the beginning we talked about a team like Penn State, who seems to have everything going right now, this is not a point in the season where you want to be having locker room problems and and wondering if everyone's on board with what you're trying to do. So Seton Hall, hopefully that's a little bit of a wake-up call for them. Obviously, Creighton, I think, is an incredible team. I think they're surging at the right time. Um, But the Big East race is interesting. Creighton now just one game behind the Pirates.
1: Yeah, huge game for Creighton Tuesday night at Marquette. Two ranked opponents for the Blue Jays this week. They're at Marquette Tuesday, and then they host Butler on Sunday. I'll say this right now. If they win at Marquette, then they only have one Big East road game left. They could end up hoisting their first Big East regular season title if they can get a win in Milwaukee, because that would put them at 10-4 and four with three home, one road, and at home, they're 14-1. and one. And I also think, to your point on Seton Hall, That is being the hunted. This is what it takes. When you are that team at the top of your league, you're going to get everybody's best punch every night. And it makes what Kansas did for over a dozen years. It makes what Villanova's done in recent years. It makes what Duke, Kentucky, those Blue Bloods, that's what it takes. That's what it takes. And I think we almost... We sometimes kind of shrug off the, the idea of blue blood and now it's just a name. I, what we're seeing is a Seton Hall team that hasn't been in this role of being 10-1 and one in the Big East. You're going to get everybody's best punch, and they're going to get Butler's best punch on Wednesday. A huge top 25 game in Newark because all of a sudden, Butler's 7-6 and six in the Big East and could be in danger of, of falling into that bottom four and playing Wednesday night at the Big East tournament, which would really... Be something so a lot to digest in the Big Ten and the Big East. As we turn to teams that aren't necessarily Final Four contenders, although this year you never know what you're going to see. It's a big week for you bubble really teams. Don't. Kim, what are you thinking?
0: I'd like to talk uh, talk a little A10, little Atlantic 10. My uh, my brother played baseball in the A10, so got to show them a little love. Richmond Spider. Um, I think that's an interesting conference right now because you obviously have. Dayton, incredible season, currently a two seed. Joe Lunardi only has two teams in right now, Dayton and Rhode Island at a nine seed. And then you have have some battles going on there for that third and fourth spot between Richmond, St. Bonaventure, and VCU. Richmond just defeating VCU, big-time rivalry game over the weekend. I would argue that whoever finishes third in the Atlantic 10 – should be in the tournament right now, only two. I think, with what Dayton has done as a number two overall seed right now, the A10 deserves more respect than just two teams in. So, my argument whoever finishes third in the Atlantic 10, maybe even fourth, which we'll get into, do you take 11 Big 10 teams? Is the 11th team in the Big 10 better than the fourth team in the Atlantic 10? I don't know, but right now, this is a big weekend for VCU. They're coming off of two straight losses. They're in the first four out, according to Joe Lunardi. Well, they have a big opportunity Tuesday as they welcome in the Dayton Flyers, and if you are looking to solidify a bid to the big dance, that is a must-win game, in my opinion. As for Richmond, They're ahead of VCU in the standings. Joe Lunardi has them as next four out. They don't have any more ranked opponents ahead of them. They are not playing Dayton anymore. So for them, I think they really need to win out, maybe drop just one game, have a strong showing in the A-10 tournament. But those two teams in Richmond right now, VCU and Richmond, I think the two of them will be battling – for that third-place finish in the a 10 and looking to get off of that bubble, John.
1: Interesting out of the a 10 Hey, my grandpa went to Dayton. Flyers, go Flyers. UD having a, a great year, happy for them. I had an aunt who went to Dayton, a couple cousins. It's really look exciting out there. What's that?
0: The Ohio, look at you, the Ohio connections are strong
1: in the oh, they're strong. family tree. They're strong, and I'll tell you what, Kim. Went out to Dayton last year for the NCAA tournament. The first four St. John's was out there. Man, do they do a great job. They are really awesome. Putting that on. They fill the place up. It might be first four. You think about it. Those teams get selected Sunday. They got to play Tuesday and Wednesday. They get less than 48 hours or less than 72 hours. And the reason why the first four is at Dayton is because hoops is the show in town. The community loves it. And, The UD Flyers hold a special place in my heart because it's a program that is just rooted in in passion. And Coach Grant, we're trying to get him on the pod here when he's got some time. Was talking to their SID yesterday. I'll tell you what, something really special happened in there. It's OB Toppin, who's a national player of the year candidate, might end up being the national player of the year, but it's so much more. They have a great backcourt. They have all the ingredients to go deep and and you know what? If one of these ACC, or rather one of these Atlantic 10 teams can pick off the Flyers, then it could get interesting for them. That would be the win that could vault them into the field because this isn't a mid-major conference that you sit here and say, and I think the Atlantic 10's above mid-major level, but it's not a power conference. This isn't a league where you say, oh, there's not a great team or there's not a great opportunity for a win. No, if you could pick off Dayton, maybe it's in the A-10 tournament, wherever it happens, it could offer you the opportunity. I think the other team that has a massive week is NC State out of the ACC. Now the Wolfpack. Yeah, Wolfpack is right. They need to get going. Boston College is a team that, that you can't lose to if you're on the bubble. NC State has the rare Sorry, opportunity. Brent, Zach,
0: our former boss at the Big East.
1: Yeah, to fan, host Duke. BC alum. To host Duke and Florida State here this week. The Wolfpack get two top 10 teams at home and in a week ACC that is a golden golden opportunity for Kevin Keats program
0: yeah I mean we the ACC is a bit of a wild place right now as well we just had Chris Mack of Louisville on the podcast last week they had been riding a 10 game win streak and then they dropped two in a row to unranked opponents last week so Suddenly things are opening up a little bit more in the ACC. You would have to think the committee is going to allow at least what do you five teams in at least. You really you have those 3 at the top.
1: Oh, I don't think any more. I don't no. think you'll see any more than 5 ACC teams in.
0: So you see those teams are going to be battling out Virginia, NC State, maybe Syracuse, but yeah, undoubtedly a big
1: week ahead for NC State. Is Jim Boeheim ever off the bubble? <laughs> I think he has a permanent residency. Yeah, exactly. When he, even when, when he suffers a loss, I just feel like Syracuse, they're always in the conversation they, because they always have to be. That's, that's just how life is in, in college basketball, and understandably so. But for NC State, that is a rarity, Kim. In the ACC this year, you get to host both Duke and Florida State. I'll say it now. NC State, you got to beat one of those teams this week. If you go 0-2, you're not making the NCAA tournament. Elsewhere on the bubble, Arizona State right now and Joe Linardi's last four in, they are hosting Oregon on Thursday night. Bill Walden magic in the air. We'll see in Tempe. Arizona State needs that game. Another team, Indiana, they have a very crucial week as well. They're, they're at Minnesota. And uh, continuing on here, a team that really is on the bubble. Uh, Oklahoma, they're right now a safe nine seed out of the Big 12. Uh, They're hosting Baylor Tuesday night. And it's a good segue briefly. Baylor just keeps on rolling. They got past West Virginia. Nothing seems to be stopping the Bears.
0: 22 straight wins, John. Longest streak in Big 12 history. And I know we touched on their defense a little bit last week, but I'm just looking at some numbers here courtesy of ESPN stats and info they're only allowing f- 58 points per game john that is that would be the most in a season in big 12 history if they could continue that on that is an incredible to be giving up less than 60 points per game in a major conference that is that is unbelievable unbelievable
1: it is. It's really amazing what's happening there. You think about Jared Butler, but you think about Gillespie down low. This Baylor team has the complete package, and I'll say it again, we don't refer to them, or we keep saying there's not a great team in college basketball. This team, they are defining greatness week after week, and I don't know when they're going to start slowing down. It. it It doesn't look like it. Now, they get Oklahoma on Tuesday. If Oklahoma could win that game, that would just be massive. But I don't know if Oklahoma, they're a team with length. Length doesn't seem to bother Baylor. Oklahoma's going to have to make some perimeter shots in that game. I think they can handle the matchup, and they've got Baylor at home, so it could be an interesting game. But right now, the Bears just look like a wrecking ball. By the way, for Indiana, they are at Minnesota, and then they host Penn State this weekend mammoth game for the Hoosiers they showed us what they could do a couple times at assembly hall but first you got Richard Petino and a Minnesota team that is certainly capable so we talked about the bubble we got issues if you will Kim there's some major milestones going on right now in college basketball I mean I know you're a record holder back back in your high school days and whatnot they need to put you in the hall of fame uh, over at at White Plains but There's a couple. I hate to say
0: it, but I'm already in there, John. You're a little behind on the times here. I was inducted about a year ago.
1: (laughs) You went in already?
0: Yeah, me, my mom, and I actually both went into. Remember the same induction class? Uh, We were last year's induction class, so 2018. I was inducted into the White Plains Hall of Fame, Athletics Hall of Fame. Special moment.
1: So now I have to introduce you as a Hall of Famer every time.
0: No, no, I don't think I don't think high school hall of fame counts.
1: I think it does. The only Hall of Fame that I'm in is the Mitchell's Tavern in Westlake, Ohio. The Mitchells Tavern Hall of Wings. Hall of Wings? Yeah. Great ways. How do you get
0: it? What is What do you have to accomplish uh, to get you're, that?
1: You are a reliable customer for them, like every week out of the calendar So you year. don't even
0: have to eat like a certain amount of wings? There's no
1: They're measuring stick. stick? Kim, they would lose count. <laughs> they would lose count. So Ken Adams is the Hall of side, Famer. Yeah. I'm in the Hall of Wings. Uh, but major milestones. Let's start on the women's side.
0: Yeah, let, we got to pay some homage to the absolute queen <laughs> really, maybe maybe not just the most exciting player in women's college basketball, maybe all of college basketball I right agree. now. Her her name is up there with Marcus Howard, with Miles Powell in terms of most entertaining players to watch. But Sabrina Ionescu, point guard for the number three Oregon Ducks, this past week she became just the second player, men's or women's, in Division I history, to score 2,000 points and 1,000 assists. And very soon, she will add 1,000 rebounds to that line, John. She is currently 20 rebounds away from 2,000 points, 1,000 assists, and 1,000 rebounds. I saw a note on their website that said she would be the only player in NCAA history to do that. So I'm I'm assuming that means of any division we'll have to – Confirm that once she, knock on wood, does that. But if you haven't watched Sabrina Ionescu, I don't care if you say, you know, I, I only watch men's basketball. You better start watching Sabrina no, Ionescu. No. You're running out of time. She's going to be the number one pick in the WNBA draft. What she is doing is incredible. Her ability to control the game, they get sold out out in Oregon every single game. It's It's magic with what's going on out there right now and what she's doing. And it's so funny because anytime she does an interview and she holds the record for most triple doubles, she's a triple double machine, but in any, she's never satisfied. It's all, it's almost like listening to LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, who was a huge mentor to her. She'll look at the stat sheet and she'll have a a triple double and she'll say, Oh my God, I had, I had five turnovers. That's awful. So I like (laughs) that insatiable thirst she has to continue Getting to get better is what sets her apart in my opinion.
1: She's a generational player in the sport of women's basketball she she's an all timer Sabrina Nescu I had her on. I had Stanford and Oregon on earlier this season, Oregon at home, and they got off to a bit of a tough start Kim. It was a two point game after a quarter, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay. She's going to get going here. She only had, I think, two points in the first quarter. Kim, I think in the second quarter, she scored or assisted on every bucket. This is all-time stuff, what we're watching in the sport of women's basketball. And if you have not seen her play, you've got to see Sabrina Inescu play. And M- here's how good she it. is. We just refer to her as Sabrina. She's going to live on in the sport. When you say that name, she's going to be the first person you think of And her biggest role model and one of her friends is Kobe Bryant and was Kobe Bryant. So it really would be full circle if we see Sabrina Inescu in the final four in a national championship game after losing somebody who's her idol. But she is all-time stuff. And and by the way, while we're on women's hoops in the Pac-12, how about the finish on Sunday? Kiana Williams with the steal and the bucket from deep. To save Stanford out of Colorado, incredible victory in what has been a wild year in the Pac-12.
0: Yeah, there were a lot of upsets on the women's side, John. Before we we get back to another accomplishment of Marcus Howard, I I have to give a quick shout-out to DJ Williams, a, a senior on the Coastal Carolina women's basketball team who had probably the best week of anyone in the world. She had a game last Thursday where she scored 51 points. I thought, she, I thought the team probably had like 75 points and she had 71 of them. I looked up the final score of that game. This is the Sun Belt Conference. The final score of that game was 124 to 103. They were getting buckets at the Sun Belt Conference. So she then f- she follows that 51-point game up with a triple-double Saturday versus South Alabama where she had 22 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 assists. So just a quick shout-out to DJ Williams. DJ. Coastal Carolina, my biggest question with this, their mascot is, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, the Chanticleers. If the anyone, Chanticleers, Oh, Chanticleers. If someone could the tell me what a Chanticleer is.
1: Chanticleer.
0: I'm think I speak, je parle un peu de Francais. I speak a little French. I would that's kind of a, a Chanticleer. Like I got no. a French, vibe. French vibe. but if someone could it's explain to me what a Chanticleer is, I would be highly it's a, appreciative. It's a rooster. <laughs> no. No shots. It's Coastal Carolina. They play they play on the beach. You're gonna they're not gonna have a rooster as a mascot. It's gotta be something marine themed. I looked it Absol-
1: up in, oh my, a rooster. I'm looking it up right now. I'm looking it up. This is thrilling, thrilling radio here right now. Yeah, it looks to me like it's a, it's a some sort of a bird.
0: No, okay. Well, we'll get to the bottom of this. So, shout out to Sabrina. Shout out to DJ. Oh, okay. Here we go.
1: Wait, they put out a story of what is a Chanticleer. Oh, wait. Let's see here. I think you were right, Kim. Ha. The The proper pronunciation is Chanticleer.
0: Oh, see, I knew it had French themes, French origins. I'm sorry, that just does not make sense to me. Don't to be a, be a, a hater, a school, Kim. A, a school on the ocean and your your mascot is a
1: rooster? You went to Penn. What's a Quaker?
0: We are, you know, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we were, you know, we're. everyone always said, why are we the fighting Quakers? Because Quakers are supposed to be peaceful people. That was another big thing. Anyways, let's hit on one more major accomplishment, John. We're we're sending it back out to the Big East, Marcus Howard.
1: Marcus Howard becoming the Big East all-time leading scorer. He's now at 1,408 points on his Big East career. So this is all regular season Big East games. He passes Syracuse's Lawrence Moden, who held the record for roughly 25 years. And that record falls. When you think about some of the great players in Big East history, I don't think Lawrence Moden would have led the answers if I asked you who's the Big East all-time leading scorer. Here's an amazing thing about Lawrence Moden. He played in the Big East early 90s, so he played during a time where the league was absolutely stacked. Lawrence Moden was never Big East Player of the Year. He was just a steady first-team selection. Some of the players of the year while he was playing, Alonzo Mourning, Kerry Kittles, uh, he played a, played against Terry DeHair at Seton Hall. Here's all you need to know about how good the Big East was back then. In Lawrence Moten's senior season, Allen Iverson, you might know him, was an all-Big East second-team player. He wasn't even a first-teamer. And Lawrence Moten is the Big East all-time leading scorer, so more than anything, what it says to me is, wow, so many great players in that league. And for Moten to do it at Syracuse... Now his record falls after being held up for about a quarter century, and it's a fitting record holder now in Marcus Howard of Marquette, who will be honored Tuesday night when the Golden Eagles host Creighton and Lawrence Moden. How cool is this, Kim? Lawrence is going to be in Milwaukee to hand Marcus the all-time leading scorer ball.
0: Wow, that is really cool. And I I think it almost, I think it didn't get as much recognition as it deserves, just the way it happened. It was in a loss at... Villanova. It was kind of just a, a shot he threw up at the end of the game. So it's nice to hear that they will really recognize him at their home arena. And to get the ball from the person you pass, that's, that's
1: dope. It really is cool. He, he is a once in a lifetime type of player. Like we talked about with Inescu, Marcus Howard. It's unbelievable just how good he's been. He owns more than half Of the 40-point games in Big East history. So hats off to Marcus Howard. And the one thing left for Marcus to do is to win an NCAA tournament game. That is to come in March. We'll be fascinating to see if he can get over that hump and get the Golden Eagles on some sort of a run on the big dance floor. The clock is running down. Time to send the fans home happy with a buzzer beater.
0: All right, it is time for buzzer beaters. Last week, we talked all things Indianapolis, food, etc. This week, I was a little bit lonely. John and I didn't get to work together. He was all across the country, different regions of the country. So, John, I have no idea where you're going with this. You said you had a great story about one of your travels this weekend. So what do you have for us, John? I know you were in the Midwest. I know you were back in the Northeast. Let's hear this buzzer beater.
1: So I had a Saturday that just epitomizes the madness of college basketball and the greatness of this sport. Started out by taking a flight from Omaha to Boston, connecting through Chicago on Saturday morning, 6 a.m. flight. Got into Boston around noon. Taking an Uber took forever because you got to walk about a mile to figure out a way to get through the parking garage in Boston. So needless to say, okay, got in the Uber. Got to Merrimack College for the NEC ESPN Plus Game of the Week. Calling it with the great Tim Castro does a wonderful job on Brooklyn Nets radio. And I'll tell you what, Kim, what an atmosphere. Merrimack, out of the NEC, if you don't know about them, take a look. They are 12-2 and two in the conference. They're not eligible for the NCAA tournament or the conference tournament because it's their first year in Division One. It's part of the reclassification. But, man, they could win a regular season title and 18 wins on the season really a special story it's an ncaa record for a first year d1 program that's reclassified the students were going crazy
0: i did not realize they had been in division one this year until i i saw you doing that game i did not know that That, wow those are incredible numbers i wish they could play in the tournament that's not really i
1: agree i think i i wish it were a rule that got rescinded having said this I was trying to figure out a way to get from Merrimack to Providence because I had a Sunday women's game and the Providence men were taking on Seton Hall. We'll get to that in a second. And I've lost my license here in the last couple of weeks because I was traveling and I <laughs> and I lost it. This happened I,
0: I, to me a couple of years ago.
1: Right, right. So in the process of getting a replacement. So I can't drive. So it's either a really long Uber, a train, or Jeff Goodman formerly of ESPN, now at Stadium, he saved the day. He was at the Merrimack Merrimack game covering it with his wonderful daughter, Talia, who's trying to get into sports broadcasting reporting and is going to be a star. And Jeff said, well, come along with us. We stopped at Tripoli's Pizza right by Merrimack. I would highly recommend it in North Andover, Massachusetts. And then in the middle of us doing a live Q&A on Twitter – Jeff looked at his gauge, and he only had one mile left of gas. No.
0: <laughs> Worst feeling ever.
1: We f- hop off the freeway. We probably went about five miles with that one mile of gas, thank God, and made it to a gas Oof. station in the middle of nowhere in Massachusetts, gunned it to the Dunkin' Donuts Center. <laughs> we got about got there about five minutes into the game. Proceed to watch Providence go up 28 to 7. So that— All this is going on. We almost run out of gas. We could have been stranded calling AAA. We make it to the other game, the magic of college basketball. Providence has an unbelievable first half. They end up hanging on and winning. And then what happens? The students storm the court before the game ends with (laughs) 0.2 seconds left. The students storm the court. The bomb-sniffing dog storms the court with them and gets loose. Um, There was a student who got sick near the Providence bench and had an accident, it was a scene at the dunk. They end up having to mop up the floor, wipe everything up. They play the Two seconds left. Thank God Providence was up by more than four, or else Seton Hall could have tied the game with a bunch of what were thought to be meaningless free throws. So the game ends. The students storm the court again, because, of course, they do. Providence wins. So at- they storm the court twice? They stormed the court twice. So I almost Why? ran out of gas. I watched Merrimack College. I watched two court stormings. I watched a a dog storm the court. It was absolutely insane this past Saturday, and it makes you love the sport that we cover all that much more. So that is a wild buzzer beater. We literally beat the buzzer at the gas station.
0: (laughs) I'm disappointed because I would have loved nothing more than live footage of John Fanta. And Jeff Goodman pushing a car <laughs> in what was probably twenty degree weather. Yep, <laughs> trying to find the nearest. Like I would pay for that content. But I'm I'm glad that you guys that you guys got it all sorted out. And big thank you to Jeff, by the way who who gave us some nice love uh, last week when we announced our podcast. Great friend that we've made over the last few years. And thank thank you for him for his kind words supporting our podcast.
1: Absolutely. No. They- Thanks to Jeff. That, that was awesome stuff. And thanks to everybody for their support. While we're at it, can very, very rapid fire here before we wrap the show. We had some questions from some fans on Twitter. Some questions from some fans on Twitter. So I'm just going to fire rapidly. We'll quickly answer them. Uh, here we go. Is Ohio State a Sweet 16 team when healthy? Oof. I'm gonna say no.
0: I, I, to be honest, I I haven't watched them enough. I need I need to watch them more. I don't know if you've watched them more and have a better answer than I would on that one.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say no. I just I just don't see it with the Buckeyes. Uh, someone said, "Will San Diego State be favored against the eight or nine seed they play?" That's a ridiculous question. Hello,
0: what is, what are they? Twenty? They're twenty six and oh, People, come on, give them some. That's, that's that question should be scrapped from the record.
1: Uh, if Creighton wins at Marquette on Tuesday, they would have to be the heavy favorites to win the Big East with three home games and a road trip to St. John's left. If they win the Big East and Tyshawn Alexander and Marcus Sigorowski continue to play well, are they both on your first-team All-Big East ballot?
0: I don't think you could put... I, I think there's too many good players to have two players from any conference... Uh, sorry, from any team on the first team this year. I think it's going to be spread out, but I do think Creighton can win the Big East.
1: Yes, I agree. But I think Marcus Howard, Miles Powell, Colin Gillespie. Uh, Kamar Baldwin, those Kumar are there. Kamar Baldwin, those, those are, are all there. Yeah, and then you'd probably take one from Creighton and maybe Sadiq Bay or somebody else. If there's any team that could have two, it's Villanova because Bay and Gillespie have been so, so good together. Uh, and then Terry asks, do they ever let me go home? Well, I'm home right now. I don't think you should pay
0: rent like are you even like what are you home one night a a month your rent is just just doing nothing for you John you should just live in hotels
1: should we Airbnb during March like you're so busy too I've thought about this Airbnb
0: I just make sure I turn my heat all the way down because I am not getting charged for any sort of heat bill when I'm gone for 10 straight days. No electricity, every, every plug is unplugged, nothing is left on. That is life, life on the road in March. Mm.
1: Well, this was fun. Great to get your questions, guys. We'll ask for them weekly as Full Court Press with Fantin Adams. Episode number two is in the books. Thanks to our producer, Mike Lieber, as well as Bruce Bernstein for all of their help. Ben Wolfen edits the show, and we always appreciate his contributions. And you could check out other Pure Hoops media shows. What are they, Kim?
0: We've got Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong. That one comes out every Wednesday. Every Thursday, the lovely Monica McNutt. She comes by with Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. And then Fridays, the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Can't forget the Mike Wise show. That's every Monday. And then you and I, John, we are back every Tuesday with Full Core Press with Fanta and Adams make sure you're checking them all out make sure you're downloading them giving us some good stars shout out to somebody who actually hopped on and gave us a one-star review (laughs) last week I mean that is (laughs) that is so unwarranted I hope you're having a much better week whoever you are but anyways enjoy the podcast we can't wait to see you next week signing out full court press with Fanta and Adams full court press with Fanta and Adams is a presentation of pure hoops media